Welcome to All Fired Up. I'm Louise, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk all things anti-diet. Has diet culture got you in a fit of rage? Is the injustice of the beauty ideal getting your knickers in a twist? Does Fitspo make you want to spitspo? Are you ready to hurl if you hear one more weight loss tip? Are you ready to be mad, loud and proud? Well, you've come to the right place. Let's get all fired up. So for our very first episode of All Fired Up, I got to sit down with the fabulous Fiona Willer. Fiona is a true leader in the non-diet and haze field. She's a very accomplished dietitian and university lecturer, and she's currently doing some really awesome PhD research on how Australian dietitians are adopting non-diet approaches into their practice. Fiona runs training workshops all over the country, teaching dietitians and other health professionals all about the non-diet approaches. She's determined to convert all health professionals to weight neutral practice. Fiona is an incredible advocate for Hayes and a really active member of the community. She is the Vice President International of ASDA, the Association for Size, Diversity and Health, and she's the Secretary of Hayes Australia. I first met Fee several years ago when she called me out of the blue and asked if I wanted to write a book with her. So of course I said yes. We wrote the book, which is the Non-Diet Approach Guidebook for Psychologists and Counsellors, and it took several months. And over this time, we developed a beautiful professional relationship and an even more incredible friendship. What's amazing about Fiona is her razor-sharp research mind. She is like an encyclopedia of facts about weight science, and she can dissect research articles with an Edward Scissorhands-like flourish. So for today's episode, I knew that Fee had to be my guest. So it's a bit of a story, but this is how today's episode came about. I saw an article in Time magazine, and it was called The Weight Loss Trap, Why Your Diet Isn't Working. And I'll admit I got excited. And then, of course, I read the article and the excitement faded and was replaced by seething rage. Look, let's just say this article was not all it promised. And I'm just so tired of this. I'm tired of seeing stuff come out and it never being challenged that people just sort of swallow this information without really understanding the falsehoods that they're being told. So today I got to sit down with my research ninja, Fiona Willer, and we really challenged what this article is saying. We totally unpacked it. We eviscerated it and we had a great time doing it. I felt like we got a lot of our chest and I hope that you guys enjoy it as much as we enjoyed talking about it. So as we're talking, Fiona and I mention a whole bunch of studies and things like that. All of those are referenced in the show notes. So to see everything that we are talking about, including the offending time article, which I do recommend you have a read of before you listen, please go to untrapped.com.au forward slash podcast forward slash. Hope you enjoy the episode. So welcome, Fiona Willer. Hi. <laughs> so exciting to have you here for the All Fired Up inaugural episode. And what a fantastic topic that we have to get started because we have this really potentially fantastic article written in Time magazine, which is the title is The Weight Loss Trap, Why Your Diet Is Not Working. And when I saw that title in time, I was filled with hope and joy and happiness. And then I read the article and then I was just pissed off. <laughs> and I think that's how you felt as well, Fiona, which is why I've asked you to come on and have a chat and sort of unpack this a bit more. Yes, 
thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're frothing at the mouth about it. But I mean, we'll put it in the show notes, a link so everybody can read the article. But essentially what it's about, it starts off talking about the Biggest Loser study, which everyone's seen the dreadful show, The Biggest Loser. And there's some outcome research, which is really fabulously done, that tracks what happened to the biggest losers over time. I think it's a, it followed them up over several years and there was 14 contestants. And what they found is that the 14 contestants, 13 of them had regained the weight that they lost on the show and four of them were heavier than before they went on the show. But most intriguingly was what happened to their metabolisms because they did predict that these people's metabolisms would slow down but it slowed down even further, dramatically further than what they predicted through their calculations. And it didn't stop slowing down after time. So it was still slowed down several years later. So, you know, this article really shows just what people are up against when they try to lose weight by going on a diet or slash starving themselves. That it's just really hard work. It's metabolically difficult stuff. It's not to do with willpower. But then, you know, I guess the direction that the article goes in is we should keep trying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What did you think of the article? Oh, look, I, like you, was optimistic that Time magazine might have something sensible in it. And it wasn't all terrible. They had, they do explain some of the determinants of body weight that people might not know about. For example, the influence that our microbiome can have your gut bugs basically the bacteria that lives in your bowel but research in that area is really in its infancy at the moment so anyone who tells you they can play around with your gut bugs and know what they're doing doesn't know what they're talking about basically but it is interesting things they mention is environmental influences such as some researchers looking at the influence of exposure to bpa a type of um, plastic that's quite ubiquitous in all sort of developed countries' environments. Mm. Oh, it's so easy. interesting that sort of stuff, isn't it? Because we yeah. it's also that study that showed that animals are getting fatter, yeah. and, and even lab rats are getting fatter. And in lab rats, their diets haven't changed, but they're getting bigger. And that's where like the environmental pollutants argument comes in as well. Yeah, I mean the take home is that anyone who thinks that they've got it licked really doesn't. <laughs> You know, they're jumping the shark in a big way if they think that everything's explained. So that stuff is good, you know, because the more people know about the things that do influence our body weight, the more that they'll question this cultural myth that our body shape is all down to just how we move and what we eat and that all of us have bodies that can be shaped as easily as clay if we try hard enough, you know, (laughs) which is so pervasive and really just is... It, I mean, it's patently incorrect also. I know. If I hear one more personal trainer say it's just calories in, calories out, I'll scream. I just, it's so simplistic. And, you know, anyone who's an adult realises that nothing is ever as simple as it seems. Everything is more complicated than it first appears when somebody comes at a subject for the first time. And it I, nearly gets there in this article. But what it says is... Like it even says, oh, the oversimplistic arithmetic of calories in versus calories out has given way to the more nuanced understanding that it's the composition of a person's diet rather than how much they can burn. Yeah. And look, that kills me. That's wrong. Yeah. 
We have research from Australia that looked at the dietary patterns in adults in a particular region of Australia and cut it up into, so they looked at the dietary quality. So the group with the highest dietary quality were the group that were eating the most fruit and veggies, whole grains, sort of lean proteins and so forth, and having the diet most consistent with good nourishment and chronic disease prevention. Yeah. So they divided them up into dietary quality uh, categories. And then they reported the BMIs of the people in each of those categories. And they found really interestingly that the proportion of people within each of those dietary quality groups, so the poorest dietary quality through to the highest dietary quality, had the same proportion of all of the different BMIs in it. So there was <laughs> yeah. BMI, same proportion of the, what the so-called healthy weight BMI, same proportion of overweight, same proportion of obese BMIs regardless yeah. of quality status. So they definitely didn't find that like having a high level of nutritional quality that had all the thin people in it. That's right. That's what it would have looked like if that was actually true, but that's mm. not the case. You can have a beautifully nourishing diet, which is lowering your um, risk of chronic disease in any shape of body. Uh, yes, but this is, this is why this article is really annoying because it completely misses that point yeah everything is a throwaway line that's absolutely factually incorrect drives me mental yes yeah i mean this is not true this is just scientifically not true and it's in time magazine looking like it's true looking like it's authoritative and that's really annoying it's that i mean i see it so many times now i don't know whether it's the journalist or whether it's one of the people that he interviewed that actually said that but there are so many assumptions underlying the things when people write about large bodies and about health that are so unquestioned yes because think, they're just yeah. so all pervasive in the belief system around body weight and that is what is so uh, you know i guess glaringly obvious as you and i as health at every size practitioners and thinkers that this article is automatically assuming that weight is bad and weight loss is good mm. and not looking beyond it what we can see when we read the same article is it's the same science like long-term weight loss is very difficult for the vast majority of people the conclusion's different they're saying we need to try harder <laughs> and we say we need to like really um, look at behaviors and really weight is a very difficult thing to control and not necessary to control in order for good health to happen. That's it. I mean, weight neutral care is so rational. Mm. It takes people from where they are now and is brutally honest about the likelihood of long-term weight loss, plus the very shaky science that actually losing weight will end up reducing somebody's health risk somebody's risk of illness or early death because mm. that stuff that's really shaky science there so we are not certain that it delivers on the promises that it says it does and instead of focusing on helping that person at no matter what weight they are to be as well as they can at that weight yeah but when you read phrases like this in the article I'll read it to you so you can get your teeth gnashing <laughs> <laughs> while weight loss will Never be easy for anyone. The evidence is mounting that it's possible for anyone to reach a healthy weight. People just oh need to find their best way there. I just wanted to smash my laptop when I read that, <laughs> honestly. How ridiculous is that? I mean, it doesn't even pass a sniff test because if that were actually true, people would already have done it. You know, like it's not as if research, weight loss research exists in a vacuum. Mm. 
we've got such a fat hating culture that people are out there doing this as a natural experiment all the time, trying to find the one way for them, right? Yeah. Talking about a lifetime. Mm. You know, we already have the evidence that that is a false approach. Yeah, like you're right, everybody's on it. Everybody's trying to lose weight. It even references somewhere in the article that in spite of everyone going on the low-fat diet, the so-called obesity epidemic exploded at the same time. <laughs> like this idea that evidence is mounting that it's possible for anyone to reach a healthy weight, is that is not no. That is actual just bullshit. I would like to point out the hypocrisy between using those, the coincidental stuff, right? So they're, in science, they're called associations. So they are happy to decide that the association between higher body weight and more ill health is a causal one. Yeah. They absolutely deny that the growing waistlines over the last 30 years are anything to else than our own behaviour. Yeah. Why could it not be the environment that's actually making the biggest influence? Why is that such a hard thing to believe? I know, because I think that no one wants to get away from this focus on individual responsibility. Yeah. Probably partially because there's like a $66 billion industry invested in weight loss and a $1 billion obesity research industry also invested in this idea. Yeah. That these are the two factors that are the most important. And it does reveal weight stigma, doesn't it? I mean, we, like you said, this is a fat-hating society that we're yeah. living in. And... I think to suggest that this is just, you know, maybe we're just getting bigger and maybe we can continue to lead long, healthy, active, meaningful lives in larger bodies is just too confronting. Yeah. The thing about internalised weight stigma, that's when you yourself believe that your weight is a bad thing. So it's mm. like a form of self-hate. That We know that that independently drives poor self-care behaviours. And so it may be that, in fact, our focus on obesity over the last 30 years has actually driven the increase in waistlines because yeah. we're less capable of looking after ourselves if we had ourselves. You know, it actually does talk about weight stigma in the article, but let me read it to you because I don't even have words, so I'm just going to read it to you. A March 2017 study found that people who internalise weight stigma have a harder time maintaining weight loss. That's why most experts argue that pushing people towards health goals rather than a number on a scale can yield better results. Yeah, I talk about this as the Schrodinger's goal. <laughs> people think that they can be simultaneously having a weight loss goal whilst not having a weight loss goal. You can't do that. It's not theoretical physics in real life. <laughs> but it's also like we can get better results meaning we can get better weight yeah, or better of course means weight loss in their language yeah. I mean, it's all code our whole the way that they talk about weight in the entire article yeah is coded based on the assumption that a lower weight is better than a higher weight and so better means lower weight Mm. in their language yeah by not focusing on weight loss you'll lose more weight which will reduce your internalized weight bias what like really? yeah that, I, you know that's some beautiful circular logic there <laughs> my head's spinning my head's spinning. So, <laughs> don't have internalized weight stigma and that will help you lose weight what? yeah just don't have it yeah <laughs> don't, don't have it <laughs> Oh, if only. It was so easy. I know. I mean, I love it when I see weight stigma being mentioned in the media. 
But this it got murdered. Let's face it. The weight stigma just got hung out to dry as as a weight loss goal in this. Yeah, like the weight stigma thing. They know that they harm people by being negative about larger bodies. Yes. And so they think that talking about weight stigma, trying to decrease it, just is like they're coding for saying I'm not a jerk. But they fail to realise that the entire system is set up in a way that hurts people. I know, trying to eradicate a body type that looks like yours yeah. and mentioning, um, but we're not weight biased, is, yeah. it's just insane, really. Because you, can't, you cannot separate the body from the self. Yeah, I think weight stigma has a long way to go in being discussed in mainstream obesity research. But like you said, it's circular logic. Yeah. yeah. They're trying to soften. <laughs> oh. They're but just trying to paying no. lip service to it while yeah. still trying to eradicate. But it's theatre. They don't know. Well, I hope they don't know yeah. how hypocritical it is. Yeah, that bit really got my goat in this article. As did, well, what else, what stood out for you? I like the two cherry-picked cases oh. from the obesity clinic. Oh, I just love that. I think, gee, how representative not. Are we talking um, about the Yoni Friedhoff clinic yeah. cases. Okay. Here's two yeah. non-typical results from my obesity clinic that'll make you think that we have the answer to everything. It's like, that's <laughs> not science. <laughs> that's what diet books are written about. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, just to say, to say it out loud, in order to kind of at least provide evidence that losing weight in the long term and safely and effectively is possible, the standard that we need to be holding science to is looking at large-scale trials and five-year outcomes. And our control groups have to stop being do-nothing groups and they have to start being do the same behaviours as the weight loss groups ah. with a different energy intake. Because yeah. unless they're like that, you cannot unpack how much of the benefit that the weight loss group is enjoying is from the behaviours that they're doing to elicit weight loss and yeah. the support that they're getting from the team, from the research team, from the weight loss itself. Every single weight loss trial that says, oh, yes, this is effective at weight loss, is actually the weight loss plus the more moving, plus the changes in diet, plus all the support I got from the team. Yeah, it's That's all the behaviours. And we, yeah. yeah, you're right. We need to put the, pit the behaviours against the attempts at weight loss. And yeah, it's not a properly controlled study. Like, it would not make it through like a medication trial, yep. everything else is controlled for. A weight loss trial, for some reason, it's carte blanche to do whatever the heck you like mm. and have a control group which does nothing or gets a brochure. It's a <laughs> They're not finding what they think they're finding. No, no. But, I mean, the, the standard is pretty low. You're right. It's, and it's not questioned. The, the evidence is not being asked for like this. But so if it was weight loss, then as you have said to me before, Louise, beautiful point years ago, then liposuction would work. Yeah. Or are we trying to elicit a chronic restrictive eating disorder in someone? Is that what they mean when they say, please lose weight? Yeah. I don't think so. Every time a doctor says, you better lose some weight, they're not saying, go and get liposuction. They're saying, I want you to eat better and move more. Yeah. So yeah. they need to say that. Yeah, but that always gets lost in this idea of weight loss. And yeah. the way I'm going to measure it is going to get you on a scale and then tell you off if it's not big enough to suit my goal for you. That's it. Because actually assessing somebody's lifestyle properly is too hard. Too hard. Yeah. 
They do talk about the National Weight Control Registry in this article as well, which is my favourite. Oh, yes. It's mm. the unicorn stables. <laughs> the unicorn stables. <laughs> so the National Weight Control Registry is, as far as I understand it, was set up in response to this very big problem in the research that it was so difficult to find people who had lost weight through dieting and kept it off for a reasonable amount of time that they opened up this idea of a national weight control registry in the United States. And they asked people who had lost weight and kept it off for about a year to register. So they're just self-reporting and registering. And I think it's been active since 1995 and they have 10,000 people on the register. And, and when you gain the weight back, you kicked off the registry. Well, actually, I've had um, Facebook confirmation, which is obviously the lowest level of evidence possible, <laughs> but <laughs> from somebody who is on the, she's still registered on the National Weight Control mm. Registry, but she stopped calling them and telling them, because she's put all the weight back on, she stopped calling them and telling them, but as far as she knows, they're still using her mm. earlier reported weight loss as part of the database. <sighs> So 10,000 people are on this registry. If we compare that to the millions of people in the States who are on diets at any one time, I think, was it Reagan Chastain who estimated the stats, yeah. the stats on like the success is 0.001%. It was even less than that. I'm sure there were lots and lots of zeros in there. Yeah. But we're looking at like less than 1% of the dieters in America and using them like their representative. Yeah, and even, I mean, from the a sampling, you know, when you do research, if you want to do research that's representative of a population, you have to sample that population properly so that you can be able to be relatively certain that what you've found is actually properly reflective of that population. And so the sampling method, that it's self-report, mm -hmm. self-enrol, you know, it was never, ever going to be representative. And their credit, they, they don't say that it's representative. People take their research and mm. assume that it is, but the research team has never made that claim. They do, however, go on to say that because we have our statistical unicorns here, therefore anyone can do it. That is spurious. That is irresponsible, I think, well, to, to be telling the world through Time magazine that because this tiny fraction of the population exists, and we know that their behaviours, Fiona, we have discussed before, are a little iffy in terms of do these people have an eating disorder? That was certainly disordered eating. Mm. Definitely. If they came into a dietitian's office at a normal weight with those behaviours, then that would be considered disordered eating. Mm. But because they are in larger bodies and are being heavily congratulated, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's an, an self-enforced chronic restrictive eating pattern. Yeah, and they're being congratulated for it and they're being held up as examples to the millions of other people who are really struggling and yeah. unable to do that. Well, the, their study, one of the, they have published a lot of papers, so it is interesting reading. One of their papers found that they had a look at people who dropped out of the registry and looked at the difference between the people who were in and who dropped out. So the people who basically regained the weight and they found that there was actually no difference. Mm -hmm. The people who regained weight were no different on paper. They were eating the same sort of things. They hadn't changed their eating pattern since they were, you know, in the registry. They were doing the same amount or more of physical activity. It just didn't fit that trope that people sort of fall off the wagon to regain wow. weight. They were doing everything they could to stay on there. But that by some metabolic factor, 
their, they were gaining weight and having not changed their lifestyle. Wow, that's so the lesson there is can't expect that our individual cells are going to actually behave like anyone else that we know metabolically when placed in the same sort of situation because there's so many things at play. Yeah, because, you know, one of the conclusions, I'll just read straight out from the article that it's saying about people in the National Weight Control Register, hear this message again. These people are highly motivated and they kept trying different things until they find something that works for them. There we are, back to the, it's the, up to the individual, it's back to yeah. you and it's your fault and you're doing something wrong if you're not having this incredibly rare result. Yeah, the holy grail effect. Yeah, and it's just so troubling to see that in time because, you know, you'd think that somebody would be noticing that this is very unlikely and maybe we could look after like the other 99% of people. <laughs> what? <laughs> And, you know, without focusing on their weight. <laughs> Radical. Oh, I wish it wasn't. I so wish it wasn't. I just wish that everyone in anybody received best care. Yeah, and best care has nothing to do with focusing on weight. Best exactly. care has focusing on you in your amazing body and looking after it. Yes. Just this. <laughs> it feels really good to do this. <laughs> It feels the anger that builds up when you see articles like this, but the unpacking with you and people who think this way is sort of instantly refreshing. Yes. Well, we need to be thinking about this stuff much more critically because, you know, anyone reading this article who's been struggling will end up feeling bad about themselves. And I don't want that to happen. No. Well, they'll continue to feel bad about themselves. You know, we have a very weight neutral reading of it, but anyone who lives in the sort of weight centric world, mm -hmm it and feel fairly validated I think in terms that you know their their belief that weight loss is always better won't have been challenged you know there's no sticking point there and they may read that other things at play or that well you know therefore um you know maybe it's not all my fault oh but I still need to lose weight yeah it is really bloody hard but I should keep trying and if I don't then I'm probably going to die that's it and look to look after yourself is really honorable you know to want to take care of oneself is excellent mm. but the fact that they've been sold the lie that that needs mm. to happen by weight loss is an abomination utterly yeah so the more critical thinking we can do about articles like this and the more we can get out the message that there are different ways to interpret this and we should always be questioning is that's what this podcast is all about yes yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that this is not going to be the last time I get you on here to unpick because I love how you unpick science. <laughs> you undress it so beautifully. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you love to do it. I do, so. I do. It's very satisfying to demolish research articles. Yes. So if there's something else that comes up that you're annoyed about or maybe if someone contacts us that they want us to unpack, I'm going to get you back on. Is that okay? That would be brilliant. Send in your articles that you want demolished and I will do it. Hulk smash style. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. All right. <sighs> that was the indomitable Fiona Willer. What a cracker. I feel so much better after doing that and I hope you do too. I hope you enjoyed that. So if you've seen any articles or research floating around about weights or weight science and it seems to you a little bit whiffy or a bit weird, please send it in to us. 
admin at untrapped.com.au and I'll get feedback in and we can smash that research apart. So we'll be back next week with a fresh pile of steaming diet culture trash to unpick and sift through. I really hope you'll join us. And if you enjoyed today, please subscribe and don't forget to tell your friends. So until next week, take care of yourself and remember, trust no one, think critically, push back against diet culture, untrap from the crap. Thank you.